Welcome one and all to episode 186 of the Original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, we finish up our uh, our rankings, at least on the free show, that is, as we head into the final rankings on our Patreon as well this week. And then we do a little mock draft, and then we make fun of the 2023 NFL draft and how it actually plays out. But before we get going, how are you doing, man? I'm good. Um, I'm back at my home base this week, so hopefully <clears throat> no issues with the sound. But uh, thanks for all the listeners. If you want to join our Patreon, it's 2 bucks a month to get the bonus episodes. On those bonus episodes, you'll get our defensive rankings, uh, including every bonus episode we, we've ever done, which is closing in on 100. And then um, you're also going to get my full rankings positional rankings so uh, on these shows you know we usually do our top five tonight i think we're doing our top five receivers top two or three tight ends and then um on thursday on patreon we'll be doing defensive end defensive line so it's if you're a fan of the show um you know throw us some support two bucks a month you get to listen to all our shows four bucks a month you get all the additional written content and uh you know hopefully you know, uh, during the summer, we'll, we'll even still be pumping out content. So uh, we, we try not to uh, to let things sit too long. And like you said, we're doing receivers, tight ends today. So I think we can kind of kick it off, right, and, and kick it off with the tight ends. And like you said, it's not too many, man. There's not – it's a good tight end class. You threw but, me for a loop here. You start with the tight ends, but that's good. Yeah. <laughs> let's, let's do it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good it's a good tight end class. There's a couple like really objectively interesting guys that um out of the uh, out of the FCS or or small schools that are intriguing. But for me, uh there's there's three guys that I kind of have as like top 50 guys or guys I would take in the in the top 50 picks. Um and then I'll mention a couple other guys as well, but number one with the bullet, no question. Um, one of probably the easiest evals and, and players in the class is Michael Mayer, the tight end from Notre Dame. It just feels really odd. And our buddy, Billy M uh, 90 or 81, 91. I'm forgetting right now. Sorry, Billy um, on Twitter kind of talked about it the other day when he was like, what are, what are we doing with, with mayor? Like, why is this such a, why is he not just being talked about in the same breath as, as a guy like, and it's Billy M underscore 91, sorry. And, uh, you know, why is he not being talked about in the same breath as like the top players at each position, especially in a wide receiver class. That's not great. Right. It's uh, not as strong as it's been. And, uh, you know, it wasn't what four or five years ago that, uh, TJ Hawkinson was a surefire top 10 pick. And now Michael Mayer doesn't, he's not even getting close to the same treatment. In many cases, he's not even uh, considered the tight end one by big draft pundits. Yeah, it's a really intriguing uh, thing. And I, I've told you before, um, you know, or we've talked about it before on this podcast, my like, my comp for him is Jason Witten. And, you know, that's, he wasn't great as an announcer. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that was uh, one of the best players in the NFL for 
18 seasons. 18 seasons. Um, and again, he dropped off his, you know, at age 38 when he was playing in Las Vegas for a season. Oh, 38 uh, year old guy wasn't good. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come on. And, and so, but like, I mean, this is a guy, I mean, a two time all pro an 11 time pro bowler. I mean, the Walter Payton man of the year award isn't an as much on the field thing, but like, you're just talking about like literally probably a hall of fame level player. Um, he's in the conversation for sure. And if you're, if you're drafting that, uh, that's, you know, he, and that's the thing. Witten's a little bigger at six, six than, than what mayor came in at, which was not shocking. Right. We weren't shocked what mayor came in at, um, because that's what he was listed at, 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 uh, Notre Dame. So it wasn't, like some of these other guys that came in, you know, he was, he's a legit six, four over six, four and 250 pounds. Uh, but I think where the, the Witten comparisons really come in for me are, you know, it's not about being a freak athlete. Like we've seen lately. I mean, think about some of the tight ends that have come out lately um, and just how athletically talented they are. Um, and, and that's not what makes Mayer what he is. What he is is a very, very good blocker. But he's that kind of cerebral guy that understands how to win and what he needs to do to win consistently. And that is just something that's really hard to teach. I mean, he's. He, I mean, we're talking about a guy that averaged over 800 yards a season for the last two seasons for a Notre Dame team that had basically you and me throwing to him you know i'll throw out a couple more comps because Mayer's also my top tight end um but i think he's somewhere i think he's somewhere on the spectrum here of like uh you know dalton schultz he's been a very yes. good pro player i think he compares favorably uh to that to that player athletically but also uh mark andrews is in there too he's in that yeah. in that same conversation look how good mark andrews has been we saw he was a Terrific receiver in college. <clears throat> That's translate to the pros. I think um, Michael Mayer is a better blocker than Mark Andrews was coming out of college. And so if you can get some kind of offensive production around where Dalton Schultz, Mark Andrews have been producing, both guys have been terrific uh, recently. And you get you got a, a quality blocker. That's why I think Mayer is the top tight end. Some people kind of freaked out about his combine, but four seven for a guy who is two forty nine, that's not slow. Uh, his athletic metrics are are within the average range for tight end. So you know you don't have an athletic freak here, uh, like maybe one of the other guys we're going to talk about here uh, tonight. But you have a, a very good high end uh, player who, when you watch the tape. He just sticks out for the the quality of a player he is. Like he just he, he looks like an easy evaluation to me. Yeah, it's it's actually baffling that he hasn't been the number one guy with a bullet to me. I think so too. And I just uh, you know to me he was already like a grown man as a freshman. He he runs good routes. He's got strong hands. You watch him block. He's popping the pads. He's got soft hands. He's consistently tough to tackle on on tape he's been the best offensive player on Notre Dame for a couple of years like, right. uh, to me it's not even close 
And um, when you watch him, I think he's outplaying his athletic testing. It's not like they played a bunch of jokers on Notre Dame's schedule. That's a that's a solid college football schedule. He's good after the catch. He's big enough to screen defenders from the ball. They they called him Baby Gronk, and I think that's a little too lofty, but. But that's the um, problem that we've talked about, right? Is that yeah, the, guys, the expectations were set so high for him, and so he's not Gronkowski. So now he's not even a tight end one in his class, right? And that's, I mean, I think that's a fair point. Uh, who I'll let you go second because I have a feeling, even though we don't know who each other's top three are, uh, I, I have a feeling our number two is going to be the same. I'm going to do a cop out here. Uh, I don't like doing this, but it's uh, I kind of got a two A and two B situation because. We don't have the uh, athletic testing for for the first guy that I'm going to talk about. So I'm going to mention Dalton Kincaid. Is that who you had in mind? No, so that's good. I've got I've got somebody else as my two. Okay, Kin- so, Kincaid is my number three. But okay, yeah. so I'm going to I'm going to start off with Kincaid because again I think these two players are pretty close, but for different reasons. And Kincaid, um, you know, you watch the tape. He he might be the I, I get the appeal because big draft a lot of big draft has some as uh, the first tight end and some big draft have even had him in the top 10 and I will not go that far because to me, I think he's more of a a round two player, but you watch him on tape. He's got tremendous body control going up for the high throws, big hands, good concentration. Um, His athleticism shows up in the open field. That's why I'm not too worried about the fact that we don't have athletic testing numbers. Uh, I think he's got good awareness of where, you know, where the first down marker is, where the sidelines are. And one of the things I really liked, and this is something I saw, I I saw this in Garrett Wilson at Ohio State and now in the pros. Um, When he catches a ball, he already kind of has a plan of what to do next, right? And so he's got really um, good awareness of what to do. I think he's thinking ahead of what to do before the catch. Now, sometimes you'll see a guy make a drop and they'll say, Oh, you know, he's trying to run before he caught the ball. But when I mentioned Garrett Wilson's, because one of the things you'll see is that he'll catch the ball and he's already anticipating where the defender's coming from. And he'll make a move to make that guy miss. And I've seen that a few times on tape with Kincaid that I haven't seen that with other tight ends. Um, So that's what I mean by that. Um, He's good yard after the catch guy he keeps um he's he's a pretty good open field runner he makes people miss and uh, breaks tackles and he's able to break tackles on some of these low hits and that's something i'll mention with another player that we'll talk about probably um i think he's got little a little bit more elusiveness than some of the other tight ends but the thing is what he's he's going to be 24 in october so he's about a year and a half older than these other guys um and again, we, he's been dinged up, so that's why we don't have the testing. He's been hurt. So, uh, but we saw how after Brent Keithy got injured, we saw how productive Kincaid was, and and similar to Mayer, he was kind of the best offensive player on his team. My uh, and like I said, he's my number three tight end in this class. He, my comp to him that I've seen is the guy that we saw last year, um, and that's Trey McBride. Yeah, I, I see a lot of similarities. I think he's uh I think he's a little better, but I see a lot of similarities. And so, you know, McBride came and McBride in McBride was like the Mackey Award winner, wasn't he? Yeah. And McBride came in and had a you know, a solid first season for the Cardinals in a in what was a bad Cardinal season. So 
you know, it's one of those situations where I'm I'm just really intrigued to see um what happens with Kincaid. I think I think his like range of outcomes are really um narrow in the sense that like I think he's gonna be a guy that sticks around in the NFL. Um but like is he gonna be a guy that ends up being like a you know a really good tight end one type that ends up, you know, going for seven to eight hundred yards a season, or is he gonna be a guy that, you know, is is locked in as like a, a thirty-five 350 type of guy right because he can't stay on the field consistently because he's just a receiving tight end um and i know that another tight end that ends up being the you know maybe the greatest tight end ever and gronk had a back issue but the back issue does worry me right yeah i think it has to um but you know i i just i couldn't shake that he looked quite a bit better to me on you know as a viewer <laughs> watching the tape, it couldn't shake that he just looked better than the other guys, other than Mayer to me. My number two is a guy that he just comes from the factory, um, basically ends up being like a carbon copy of these other Iowa Titans, and that's Sam <laughs> Laporta. Um, yep. A little smaller, uh, Laporta came in, you know, under 6'4, 245. You know, you talked about Hawkinson. Um, you know, he was what what he measuring at when he was coming out. He, oh, was, he was a bigger guy. Yeah, six four, two fifty one, so an inch shorter, about five pounds lighter. Um, but of course, Laporta was a a better or a similar athlete and and showed to be a little faster, right? Right, um, faster. And, and so you look at him. He's a guy that I think. He has the requisite ability as a blocker, um, obviously, coming out of that offense. And he does a really nice job uh, in the run game. So he's a guy that you can use in that way. Uh, but then you've got, obviously, the the upside of the athleticism, um, the ability to, you know, move around a little bit and, and um you know, I think he can be a, a solid two-way tight end. And and I think for me, the reason I would put him over Kincaid is one, and I know this is, a, a lot of people don't like this, and, and, you know, I'm not saying it's right, but that stock, that Iowa stock, like, those guys tend to just be really productive players, right? Like, yeah, they, they tend to, I mean, you tend to get, good stuff out of them i mean what obviously i'm not expecting george kittle level they come uh, from a great strength and conditioning program too i mean right. that's been re- renowned and so it's consistently these players are they stay healthy they're strong like good players and obviously i'm not going to compare them to george kittle because i don't you know one of the things that we don't like to do is give guys this over the top um comp where they're you know comp to all pros and the best players at their positions and stuff well, like that i think kittle was almost a lesson to iowa to like involve their tight ends more because right um like kittle was so uber athletic and they didn't even involve him much in the passing game whereas laporta who's my tight end three um 
was heavily involved and, and I think was similarly to these other two guys, um, many times their best offensive player on the team. So you have our top three, there's a consistent theme. These are, they, they were better on their offenses than other players on our team. And I'll tell you a couple of things about Laporta that I noted. Um, he definitely shows some athleticism after the catch, but to me, he doesn't look as fluid of an athlete as Kincaid, even though he may measure as such. We don't know, again, Kincaid's um, measurables. But one thing, that you, you can watch Laporta. He's frequently adjusting to really bad throws. Like he's always having to catch a ball behind him or um, low and behind him. And he, he has, so he has great body control and he has huge hands, uh, as does Kincaid. Uh, you see a lot of targets for Laporta over the middle and down the seam. He can, he's, he's good on the scramble drill. He's got <clears throat> good speed for the position, like you said. And uh, again, like Kincaid, good awareness for where the first down marker is in the sidelines. But the thing is, he takes a ton of big hits. And that's one thing I didn't notice with the other two guys. He's constantly getting hit, and especially low, because defenders seem to know that the, the book seems to be out on Laporta, that you hit him low and he goes down. Now, I'm not too worried about the fact that he can't break those low tackles, because most of the time he's jumping or you know, having to adjust to these terrible throws. But what I'm concerned about is his knees, because these defenders yeah. are just having, they're taking out his legs. And they know that that's the way to bring him down. It's clear. If you watch the Laporta tape, like that's consistently – they're not trying to get him high. Uh, he, he, he's not going to go down like that. But they're going for his knees and they're drilling him in the legs. And I worry about him suffering some kind of acute injury because of that. I mean, that's not why I have him ranked be, behind Kincaid, but it is a concern in general. Yeah, and, and I, my low end comp. It's probably more of a concern with his quarterback, though. <laughs> right. My low end comp for him would be like a, like a Lance Kendricks, you know, a guy yeah. that. that he, he does compare to those H back guys. I had Charles Clay, but except if, if he's a better blocker. Right. And, and, the, and I would say the same thing with like Kendricks, right? Like, right. So those guys, uh, I think, you know, and again, we're talking about a guy we would take in the, in the second round. Right, uh, maybe third round. I have second round, second, third, day two grades on both Kincaid and Laporta. That's why I said like two A, two B. And and those are you know, and if you get, I'm looking right now, uh, nine years out of Lance Kendricks. I mean, come on, like it, people again have to remember that you have to be realistic about these guys. Right. All these guys aren't going to be Hall of Famers or Pro Bowlers even. They're but right. What you can get for especially a tight end, and I think I, I think it. Tell me if you disagree, but to me, we know tight ends historically they're kind of like slow to come along as rookies, but I think these are going to be three tight ends that you can put on the field and, and get some production out of early. I would agree with that. Let yeah. me uh, ask you two really intriguing size, uh, speed guys. Uh, the first one, Zach Koontz out of old dominion i think the biggest question we had on Koontz is you know why didn't it click at penn state obviously when you got a guy like will levis who's going to be the second pick in the draft you know throwing you the ball at penn state right like you're definitely gonna, <laughs> well oh wait, it was oh sean wait. clifford <laughs> that's right that's right will levis wasn't good enough to play it my bad i forgot that already uh but yeah i mean you look at Koontz like 
a size speed freak of nature um we don't see six seven tight ends i know he's six six and five eights we don't see six seven tight ends at 255 that are running four five five forties with a 40 inch vertical and 128 inch broad but not just that his uh, his shuttles are elite like yeah elite so here's my question why didn't he dominate more I mean, this well, year he was. This year. I was gonna say this year he was plagued by injuries, mm-hmm. uh, which is a concern. But it, last year, and again, it's old Dominion, so it makes it really, really difficult, you know, to judge. It's still FBS. It is, but seven hundred and seventy yards and six touchdowns. Um, you know, this year he had he averaged nearly thirteen yards per catch and had three touchdowns in, in you know a much more limited set of games. Um, wouldn't you expect a guy that's this much of a freak athlete to be able to really just dominate more consistently? Uh, yeah, I. it's a good question. Um, I think it'd be more of a concern if he had not had that season a couple of years ago at ODU and if he had played in like the, in the, in like the FCS. Um, it's a pretty good sign that he was brought in by Penn State, even if he didn't stay there. We see guys going through the portal more often, understandably so. It's, it's you, you know they're not penalized by missing a year, so kids are more prone to uh, transfer uh, because they want to get playing time elsewhere. So I think that's probably a consideration there. Um, the bigger concern for me is the age and the injury. He's already gonna be twenty four <clears throat> in June, and then um, you know he looks healthy obviously now because he was able to put together, like you said, phenomenal testing numbers. Um, but uh, does he have, is, is he going to be a, able to block? Is he, you know, sometimes guys are too tall when it comes from a leverage standpoint and blocking. He's six seven, and he's not 320 pounds. He's 250 pounds. So that's a, that's a leverage issue. You know, sometimes people think they can line up, uh, really talented defensive ends, pass rushers against guys like that and beat them. And, you know, you usually you can at the NFL level. So those and, are my concerns with him. Obviously this is like the highest in potential comp, but like from a size athleticism standpoint, like obviously the best case scenario would be like a Jimmy Graham type, right? Um, you know, Jimmy was six six two sixty, ran a four five three. Koontz is actually more athletic which is insane to think right but and so like obviously that's like the high end but like what if you could get a guy like you know um, a guy that played for both of our teams like a Jermaine Gresham out of him obviously Gresh was a little bit better of a blocker and everything but I think Gresham played for the Bengals right oh that's right you're a Browns fan I always forget (laughs) but yeah um but like dare you (laughs) right but or like another Bengals guy like and this would be you know a more likely outcome like a CJ Ozuma, right? Like, or you want to compare him to a Browns guy, Evan Moore, kind of that tall, uh, lanky, oversized receiver type, right? That's what yeah. I think of. So, I mean, the you, range you're of taking outcomes, this, this guy's a, a, a day three player because of all that, the factors that we're talking about. But that's what I was going to ask you is that what's going to happen? I think Be- so. Because, I mean, we know the NFL gets infatuated with these guys, he hasn't got the the hype though like adam shaheen did 
Okay. Uh, coming out of Division Two Ashland, that was ridiculous. The the hype around him was so silly. Um, I I don't think we're gonna see that with Zach Coons because he he hasn't gotten that hype. He has, he doesn't have the Jim Nagy blessing. He doesn't have the Dane Brugler blessing that some of these other guys have had. And you know I've got uh, I'll check out these draft guys here, but um, yeah, I just don't I don't think there's enough hype around him to push him up. We we know, I mean, they, they're they not going to admit it, but we know that NFL teams are definitely influenced by media people and what they say and what they hear and all those things. It happens every year. It's undeniable. Um, but you look at, like, say, Dane Brugler's draft guide, Zach Kuntz is a fourth, fifth round guy, and I think that's accurate if you're projecting. Let me ask one more guy, and then we can move on to wide receivers. Uh, Tucker Craft. he got a little bit of a – a blow up before everything and then it's kind of quieted down it really um, has hasn't it like we haven't heard anything about him for a long time and it's not like he did anything wrong or i mean you look at his number six five two fifty four four six nine forty his combine numbers were really good above average or yeah above average or, well above average right and and so why are we not hearing more is it because he just wasn't as athletic as everybody had hoped uh, no, I just think in in Kraft's case, I just think that the media was maybe a little higher than the than the actual NFL teams. The thing was, I think he was an underclassman, right? He's coming right. out with a year of eligibility, so I don't think we saw him at the Senior Bowl. He didn't get any All Star game hype, so he's actually a player I think still could be drafted on the on day two. That just the media had already talked about and hyped up, and they just kind of got bored with and moved on. Uh, to the more important arguments, which is who's, you know, um, arguing about uh, the same, you know, top 20 guys that we see argue about. We see that pattern develop every year. And then now we're down to the, you know, 10 days or so before the draft where we're just talking about <clears throat> which quarterback's going to fall. And, of course, it's going to be an Ohio State guy, it sounds like. So th- those kind of narratives take over at this time. And uh, Kraft just – his narr- – his, his time for the narrative was back in January, February, and now we've moved on to um, like the first take uh, style of debate on the draft when everybody's into the draft at this point. We're 10 days away, so everybody's talking about it. So he, I mean, but he's going to be a day two guy, isn't he? I think so. I mean, I, I do think uh, Brugler, uh, to his credit, has been high on him the whole time. He's been saying he's a top 50 guy. His draft guide reflects that. Um, you know, me personally, I haven't spent a ton of time on, on craft because of access. You know, you... you uh, oh, you don't you know, have a lot of South Dakota State stuff? <laughs> it's it's just, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get through the big names for our show and for our purposes. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you, Emory Hunt, was not too high on him and he watches a ton of small school guys and and uh emory has uh craft as his number 14 inline tight end so i i really hold a, a lot of um you know have a lot of respect for emory especially when it comes to small school players because he not only does he go on the road a lot he calls a lot of those games and uh you know, it's it's interesting to see, you know, two of the top draft nicks in the game, Emory and Dane, they're very far apart on him. 
Let's talk wide receivers, and I'll let you start with number five. All right, wide receiver is really, really interesting to me this year because there are so many slot type of receivers and small guys, and they're, they actually are the best guys in the class, it turns out. So um, we did some receiver rankings way back in, I think, October. And my this is an area where my rankings have changed quite a bit. Yeah, I think this is one of the things, I mean, you know, it, it, you look at it and, and especially as we got more information on a couple guys, um, it really did change how you look at them and view them through that whole scope, right? That and I'll tell you this, I have, I've got seven guys, I've got seven receivers as of tonight when we're taping, and that's Monday, uh, this is uh, April 17th, so I, there's still a few guys I've got to watch, but they're not going to crack the top seven at this point. I've got seven guys with that first round to day two grade, okay, so that, that's pretty good for a receiver class, but the thing is, most of them are day two, um, so... And you'll notice a couple names missing, so we can we can circle back to that later. But my number five guy is a guy who's caught, uh, picked up a lot of momentum, and he's a favorite among a lot of um, you know. He's I've seen him anywhere from wide receiver one to three to maybe where I have him, which is Zay Flowers from Boston College. Um, five foot nine, one hundred eighty-two pounds. He's a small guy with a four-four-two forty, and physically. We don't like to comp, you know, to great players, but the closest physical comp really to him is Steve Smith, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. Yeah, and so I think the biggest thing with that, and that it's funny because that's one of my comps for him, and and Zay's my number four guy. So, okay, um, but you know, and like you said, you try not to, we, you know, we try to steer clear of guys that are Hall of Famers, borderline Hall of Famers, or unique players, and and. Steve was one of the most physical receivers in the NFL. I mean, everybody knows that. But like, so, you know, but like you said, 5'9", 190, it's really tough to mm-hmm. find a lot of guys that, that kind of all fit into that realm. And um, as we often do, we have to remind people too, Steve Smith was a third round pick. Right. Okay. So you look at the, uh, you know, Steve Smith coming out of, out of Utah, um, Flowers coming out of Boston College. These are these are big schools, but they're not big big schools. They're Power Five schools, but they're not football powerhouses. I think that's one comparison to make. And, and the physicality is what really stands out. You look at Zay Flowers at the line of scrimmage when somebody's trying to press him. He is a dog, right? Um, he looks like he's a player who has the mentality and the physical. Uh, I don't want to say like not the build, but the attributes to play any of the three wide receiver positions. If you're talking about X or flanker or slot flowers can do that. And again, one of these players we've, we've mentioned this a few times now on this show, but who is the best offensive player on his whole team consistently for like the last two or three years. Yeah. And, and remember a guy that we were intrigued by the year before Phil Dracovich really really took a step back yeah, after his I mean, injury he regressed a ton last, this past year uh, he's now transferred um 
Where did he go back to? He went to Pitt, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you know, maybe he gets a picket ear. Um, but, you know, Flowers, noticeably small frame. The thing is, like I mentioned in, in my preamble to these rankings, he had a lot of similarly built wide receivers in this class. So there's kind of log jams in different spots if you try and rank them. And um, that's why one of the things that he's he's one to one and a half years older than most of these other receivers who kind of fall into this range for me and this skill set. Um, but he and he's also shorter and shorter armed than those guys. So you get a smaller catch radius. So I really love what I see on film, but, you know, metrically, you're talking about a very small player. Um, you don't have a ton of good, a, a ton of great comps for a guy like this. But um, he's got the speed to stretch the field. One thing I notice about him is he runs really hard. I, I'm, second time I'm going to mention Garrett Wilson, but he was like that too, where um, he doesn't glide, right? But he's really like, looks like he's digging in every with every step. He runs really hard. He exerts a lot of effort with his running. Not a bad thing, just an observation. Um, he's short, so he can dig out those low throws. We see some nice footwork on the sidelines. We see some quick feet. Even though he didn't do the shuttle drills, I, th- I don't think his quickness is in question. Uh, I really like him. Uh, but you'll hear about what I talk about these other guys, so why I like them a little bit better, or at least slightly in the same range. My number five is a guy that, uh, you know, a lot of people have kind of labeled him as a one-trick pony, and I, I'm i not going to fight that, but I also think it's a great trick, and it's, a, it's something that gets, you know, people uh, the ability to score consistently, and that's uh, Jalen Hyatt out of uh, Tennessee. You know, Hyatt comes in, he's uh six foot under 180 pounds. He ran a four four forty, had a great vertical and broad jump. Uh, you know, people are like, Well he all he does is run go routes and it's like, Okay, well if that's all he does. He runs slants too. Yeah. And <laughs> and and his speed allows him to make plays with the ball in his hands. Um Let me ask you, know, you this though. He ran a four four. Um at, under 180 pounds. Everybody in the world was expecting him to run a, a sub 4-3. And we know that he had a 4-3-1 at the opening out of high school. Um, are you bothered by that at all? No, I because I, honestly, you look at it, I mean, obviously, you know he's fast. And sometimes, I mean, sometimes guys just have days where they don't run as fast. But, like, the fact that his jumps were still so explosive – um, you know, he's he's in the 98th and 95th percentile for his jumps still. Uh, I think he's just an explosive athlete, and, and that's why I'm not super worried about it. I mean, what about those a, shuttle times, though? Because you got some stiffness there. 4 3 3. Did he do short I, shuttle? Did he do them at Tennessee? Yeah, he did. I'm and, interested. But, why didn't he rerun the 40 then? Um, because 4 4 is still fast. I mean, no, I know, but ob- objectively, um, my question is, if you're going to run a four three three shuttle, why'd you do that at all? Right, that's you could have kept and that's the a, casting on that. Right, exactly. That's something he could have done, um, you know. And so it'll be interesting. But like we said, his one trick, even if he's a one trick pony, is is 
really good. Uh, you know, he did not test as fast as uh, Ted Ginn, right? No. But, you know, when you look at what Ginn was as a player, first off, I don't think he's going to go ninth overall. No, <laughs> no way. He will not. But I could see a similar. Uh, I don't think he's going first round anymore. I, no, I, I think I he's. He I think. I think he's a day two guy. Um, yeah, me too. And, and you know, and that's why I said I think the trait that he has is is still elite. Um, he does a great job of tracking the ball um, on deep deep routes. Um, I think you know, again, when you're talking about a guy that's going to be a second or you know a day two pick uh and and again you look at like i said tag again 14 years in the nfl if you get that and he's you know only a, a wide receiver three that's running deep routes consistently are you really going to complain about that i mean you just have to no. again you have to be willing to be like okay i'm not getting you know a top top five or a, you know, like a, a number one or number two guy, but I am getting a guy that has a has an elite um, ability to do something, and and will allow us, you know, to to have to change how the defense works. I mean, here's here's the way I would look at it: if you put Hyatt on on a team that has a guy um, like a like um, Amari Cooper, right? The, and so now all of a sudden the safety has to help the corner over the top. All that does is make things easier for Amari Cooper, right? Yeah, like, I find that interesting that you brought up the Browns because I think actually he works kind of well with what they have and what they what they would like to do, yeah. Well, and, and that was my thought. I mean, everybody's going to comp the Will Fuller thing. I, I liked yeah. the Will Fuller comp until he wasn't a 4-3 guy. Yeah, and but that's the thing too. But I, Fuller was better for more years than just one year, right? I, right? I know Hyatt had a huge breakout. I'm not saying he was only good for one year, but um, Fuller was better across the last two years of his career cumulatively than I think uh, Hyatt was. And I think Fuller showed me more on tape. Um, Hyatt is not my top five. I have him as wide receiver seven. And again, if you want to join our Patreon, you'll see the full scope of those rankings. But, um, and and you'll get an explanation for why. But you know, a, a name that comes up metrically, comp wise, and I think maybe what you'll get as a pro is Quez Watkins. Yeah, and and there, you know, Quez is a guy that's been you know a wide receiver three four. Sure, he's four, a deep threat. He's a, yeah. a, a, a speed guy. And I, it's, it's not that I don't like Hyatt. He's, I still think he's a second or third round pick, and most likely second. When I say second or third, it's always, you know, the NFL is going to probably take him in the high, the high end of that. <clears throat> but um, yeah, it just didn't make the cut for me. Um, you said that Flowers was your four, correct? Yes. So I'll give you this one. I was not expecting to like this guy as much, but Josh Downs from UNC is my wide receiver four. Really, the measurables are not great. Five nine, one hundred seventy one. Um, by the, the by the way, I know you mentioned this at the jump, but this is a small class. It's man. a small like, class, and, it, and all, not just receivers, all players. Right. 
Uh, Downs is about has about another inch longer catch radius than Zay Flowers has. He's also a year younger, and he was just again theme best offense player on his team, especially the last um, the last two years. I think after those running backs went pro, and he wasn't he didn't time as fast as we thought. Kind of like Hyatt. Uh, Downs was advertised as a sub 4-4 guy, high 4-3. He ran a 4-4-8. But you still have those explosive jumps, 38.5, 131-inch broad, which is almost 11 feet, right? Am I doing that math correct? Yes. 10 feet, 11 inches, to be exact. And the shuttles, which he ran at his pro day, Officially 6.75 in the three cone, 4.15 in the short shuttle. So that's 6.75 three cone is almost the, it's it's the second best that I have recorded here. And I know we could probably go to like at Math Bomb or the RAS and, and find faster ones. But um, Smith and Jigbo was 6.57. Downs was 6.75. So that is super quick. And when you watch Josh Downs on tape, it shows up. Big time. And also what I will I will say is he looks faster on tape than any four four eight guy I've ever seen. Like because there is multiple there are multiple examples of him just pulling away from guys in the open field. And maybe it's because he just out quicks them and gets the angle, but he can fly. I don't think he I think if he ran his forty again, he might be uh and and we had him uh you know recorded as a sub four four guy. So he might have just been Little um, bogged down for whatever reason that that when he ran that to combine, but still felt like it was enough. He can do some gadget stuff out of the backfield, um, but he is a prototypical slot receiver. And to me, he's probably um, if you pigeonhole him, he's maybe the best slot that's not that's just gonna play slot right there's other guys we'll talk about but um i think somebody's gonna plug josh downs in the slot and have a great player he's got good body control the way he tracks the ball over his shoulder might be better than anyone in the class and um, i think he can play outside too i think he shows some toughness despite being 170 pounds to uh run after the catch he's not afraid he's surely not afraid of, of contact and he hasn't been hurt and um like I said, his arms are a little bit longer than Flowers, who I see sometimes let the ball get into his body and and kind of kind of um, double catch it or you know he he's Flowers is probably better at digging out the low throws, but uh, I think Downs is a little bit better about uh, of uh, going up for a higher throw despite not being a tall guy. Um, I was just so enamored with how quick his feet are. Like I think he can juke anybody it's funny that the comp i have for him is really not going to sound great but you have to look at the context of this guy's career and actually the the fact that his career was pretty good and it's dennis northcutt who played for the expansion era browns on some of the worst rosters that you've ever seen he was a second round pick he had a 700 yard season an 800 yard season he could return punts and it was a dangerous return, man. Uh, I think you could probably get Downs returning some kicks and punts and do quite well. So uh, Josh Downs is my wide receiver four. 
my number three guy is going to end up being, and I went back and forth with these two guys, and I ended up going with the guy that didn't look as pretty doing it. And and what I mean by that is like my number two guy that we'll talk about is didn't test well, is small, but is just still silky smooth. And my number three guy is a guy in Quentin Johnston who a lot of the times it looks like it's hard for him. <laughs> like it is hard for him a lot of times. Right. I think that's like, objectively true. Like he doesn't look dominant like you would think a guy that, you know, and he didn't you know, he did not run an explosive forty, but his vertical jumps are really good. Um or his vertical and broad jumps are really good, you know, forty and a half inch vertical and eleven two broad. Um and he's got really long arms. He's a good size at two oh eight. Um, you know, six three and two oh eight. So everything about him is a guy that should be dominant, but it looks like at times the game's difficult for him. And why and, do you think that is, though? You know, I, one of the things like I wonder, he, he uh, not to interrupt you, but he legitimately disappeared from their offense for like the first three or four games, and then he caught fire. And he had a huge, huge game against Michigan, too, in their uh, playoff game. So it's just he's so hot and cold. Uh, why do you think – what's the disconnect here? Well, so because that's, a lot of guys love him. PFF has him as the wide receiver one. Um, but some guys hate him. So what it is for me, at least, and what I wonder about is his um, – is his ability – to take over games. So like, can he be a true wide receiver one? And I, I think the answer to that is no. Um, but what I think you do get, and I'd have to go back and do a lot of research in terms of, uh, TCU wide receivers, but I don't think that they've done especially well in the NFL. If I remember correctly. Well, when you were talking about the, the vertical and the broad jumps, I immediately thought of Josh Doxson, who I was, pretty high on but i remember talking to uh one of our pals uh chad dinkins who we talk football with frequently and um we were talking about his explosiveness his vertical jump and he said what's he gonna do hop down the field and so that 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 joke sticks with me to this day because um and and actually it's kind of influenced my evaluation just to look at the importance of that now is it good to to? It certainly adds to your catch radius if you can jump very high. If you're tall and long arms like Quentin Johnston is, but also it could be not that important. Like where T Higgins had a 32 and a half, 33 inch vertical, but is also very tall and long armed. And you know how tall and long armed do you have to be for your catch radius to be effective? We've seen T Higgins have a fantastic start to his career, and Josh Doxson struggled. Um, albeit, you know, part of that was injuries, right? Um, but Johnston to me is he's a player who he mistimes his jumps a lot. He's like he'll you'll see him jump for a ball and then catch it at his waist. 
where he could, could probably just put his arms up and pluck it. And, and he's still taller than almost every corner that there is, certainly in the Big 12. Um, but then you'll see, like, dynamic catch run after the catch ability. He, uh, he reminds me, the way he moves, he reminds me of a basketball player. But at the same time, it's also very, um, he's not very smooth with his movements. No, too, he's very he's, herky-jerky. And this is You see that with the shuttle times, too. He right. had a 7.33 cone, 4.28 shuttle. Now, that's not going to, you and I are not going to discard a guy because he doesn't run a good three cone. DK Metcalf notoriously was stiff with his shuttle times, and he's been just fine. But what I will say is, for Johnston, to me, uh, a comp for him is Devonte Parker. I think he's there's some stiffness to his game. I think the, that he's going to have some big games. I think he's a quality wide receiver too. To me, he's a day two guy. He's my wide receiver six. Yeah, and I think, and I know this guy was notoriously, notoriously slow um, when he ran his forty, and so uh, you know. When you look at it, it's not going to make sense in that way. But I think like his best case scenario is if he ends up being able to play similar to like an Anquan Bolden, who was yeah. was a much more physical player, right? Like, and not, you know, yeah, much, you can't compare Bolden's physicality to anybody that that would be right. But I think Johnston is quite physical. I think he right. can be. And that's and that's why I said I think that's like his best case scenario is is being able to you know understanding that he is a, a size right. athletic you know kind of bully on on the outside and, and kind of learning how to hone that part of right. his game and make that the dominant part of his game instead right. of trying to finesse at all like he's not a finesse player at all right and so I think that you know but you know you talked about uh, Devonte Parker who is a comp that came up you know, for me as well, but the other guy, um, that, and, and he's not nearly as fast as this guy was. Uh, but you know, again, kind of like a straight line guy. Um, he's been okay. I mean, he's been good in the NFL, but he also went much later, uh, which is uh Darius Slayton, the, the giants wide receiver, right? Like, right. And and again, like a seven hundred yard. I mean, a good wide receiver too on a on a decent offense. But you know, that's that's what my question is for Slayton. For, quite a bit faster. Yeah, he. That's why I said he yeah. he ran a four three nine. You know, so that's that's a huge difference. But you know, you look at it, you do wonder if this is a guy that can that can put it all together and figure it out. It'll be interesting where Johnston ends up because I think that's going to play a lot into where what happens because like if he ends up in Kansas city and then he goes for 1500 yards this season, cause he's <laughs> playing with Patrick Mahomes, everybody's going to be like, see, I was right. But like if he ends up in Arizona catching passes from Colt McCoy, you know, they're going to be like, Oh, well, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even like him that much. It was just, you know, I was just grading him coming out. Who's your number be- it could be like a Christian Watson type scenario where he just catches fire for like three or four games and then he's quiet the rest of the season, which is something I could totally see from him from Johnston as a pro because that's what we saw from him in college. Right. Who's your number um, three? 
My number three is probably not somebody that a lot of people think about, but Marvin Mims from Oklahoma. Um, you know, to me, he was maybe the best deep threat in the entire class, and that's in, and that's counting Jalen Hyatt. But the question about that obviously is going to be about Big Ten, or I'm sorry, Big Twelve defenses, because inexplicably Marvin Mims was left wide open down the field quite often. But I do think part of that is attributable to his route running ability. He really sells routes. He he gets open deep uh, frequently. He averaged over, I, I believe he averaged over 20 yards a catch last year and over 19 yards a catch career. I may have those numbers transposed, but he, regardless, he was getting open deep uh, often. And he was not used enough, especially this past year in uh, at, at Oklahoma. Well, it was Brent Venable's first year as their head coach. Um, I think there, there were just a lot of disconnects with the Oklahoma Sooners offense. And Marvin Mims' production doesn't necessarily look as good as it should have if he had been on another team. But you look at Mims, um, he's closer to 5'11 than these other guys. He's... Uh, 183 pounds, which is, you know, heavier than Downs, about the same weight as Flowers, but about an inch and a half or so uh, taller. He's got longer arms. You can see that all on tape because he's able to go up and get the ball and high point it better than some of these other guys too. And he also ran a 4.38, so he was a legitimate four sub 4.4 guy. Um, I know this is one of the things I was talking to Emery Hunt earlier today. And I said, you know, this is one of the guys we are way different on. He has Mims rated very low. He thinks he's kind of a dime a dozen type. And I have Mims rated as my wide receiver three. So this will be interesting to look back for us as, as pals and fellow draftniks. That's because uh, his comps like Santonio Holmes and you're being a homer right now. No, I actually, <laughs> well, Holmes is one comp, but also Emmanuel Sanders comes up too in the comp. Uh, I think, you know, you look at Mims athletically, uh, the six foot, 6.9 uh, three cone is average for a receiver, but it's still extremely quick. It's under seven seconds. Right. So that tells you how quick receivers are generally. But the, you got the explosive vertical along with, you know, that kind of adds to him as a shorter guy. The vertical is more important, I think. The speed is there when we saw the other receivers in this class not measure up to their projected speed. You'd have to go down to Trey Palmer to find a faster receiver at 4-3-3, right? And uh, Palmer, by the way, is going to be my wide receiver 8. So for, for the Patreons, or for the patrons, they'll get a better ex- explanation for that. But um, Mims, to me, um, he can go up and get the ball and contested catch situations. I love it. Body control tracks the deep ball very well, better than anybody in this class. I think other than downs, who's a little shorter. Um, he's got easy speed. He doesn't run hard. Like some of the other guys we talked about, he glides. He's got easy speed, big time, deep threat throughout his whole career. He can hold on to the ball through contact. I know there's some question about drops, but that's a question that's kind of consistent throughout this entire class. Most of these guys have had drop issues at one point or another. And um, one thing I noticed that I really love when I'm watching college players is that Mims tries to get two feet down. Even though in college you only need one, 
He's got he's conscious of the two foot rule. He tries to get two feet down. He's got experience returning punts and kicks. He won't shy away from contact. Uh, he gets open on the scramble drill. Really good, uh, good player. And I think I mentioned Emmanuel Sanders. I know that sounds lofty, but again, he was a third round pick. We're talking about a day two guy here. So I love Marvin Mims. I'm, I'm very high on him. Um, he's a guy that uh, I'm willing to, you know, pound the table and argue about against some of our, you know, our, our friends and fellow draft next. He's a player I think it'll be fun to look back three years ago and see who was right. My number two, and he would have been my number one if he didn't test like you and me. No, I'm just kidding. He's not that bad. Uh, but Jordan Addison. Oh, my God. Um, uh, I weighed 173 pounds in seventh grade. Uh, yeah, I mean, my uh, yeah, my 15-year-old is 185. So, um, you know, when you look at it, it's – when I was talking about a smooth player, a smooth wide receiver, that's what Addison is to me still. Um, you know, his his 2021 is still elite. And the fact that, you know, he comes back this year, um, he only plays 537 snaps, and he still puts up 875 yards and eight touchdowns. The comparison to that is last year he put up, he had 833 snaps. So 300 more snaps, you know, to get those extra 700 yards. Um, It's just, he's a guy, I think, you know, obviously the size is going to be, the size speed isn't great, but you and I have talked about this. It's not going to be that different from what Devontae Smith probably would have been, right? Well, he probably weighs like 15 pounds heavier than Devontae Smith would have weighed. And uh, as far as the time speed, you know, he at, Devontae Smith probably was not going to run that fast. So uh, Jordan Addison, to me, he's he's such uh, – he's kind of an enigma because of, you know, how he's built. And he did to me, he didn't look that small, you know. No, he didn't I don't look. Think he looked that skinny. I was kind of surprised, but uh, it's it's kind of one of those situations where yeah, I don't think it matters. It's kind of like last year with Olave and Wilson. Um, they both weighed in the low one eighties. Uh, now, granted, both of those guys ran sub four four, so that's why I think we're going to say. I think Addison. we thought he was a. I think I know neither of us had Addison as a four sub four four guy but i think we thought he was going to be in the low four fours well i will say this i i admit that i did think he might go sub four four because he had been the legend was that he was clocked at uh 23 miles an hour during a practice with the gps technology now that doesn't mean that's not true a lot of guys just play faster with the pads on um and we've talked about it many times on the show the factors that that uh are in play at the combine that caused guys to get tired or run slower. We don't know. Did he, was he awakened at 4 a.m. for a drug test and then had to run the 40 later that day? We don't know that stuff. But what we do know is he ran a 449 and he stood on it. And um, so that's what we have to work with, right? So I'm interested to hear because he's also my wide receiver too. And for 
I will say this too, for most of the year, he was my wide receiver one. Yeah. And he would have been my wide receiver one had he uh-huh. tested a little better. I mean, it, that's what I, like you said, Olave, but Olave was, you know, a four, time three, for, eight, yeah. four, and then Wilson was four, three, seven. Yeah. You know, um, so I want to hear your comps because he's, he's a tough guy to find a comp for. He's a nearly impossible guy to find a comp for, which I've got a couple and they're going to be interesting. I think. Well, which are always fun, but one, one guy that came up and it's, and it's a hard one, but cause he's a little bit taller, but he's the same like leanness, but he also tested terribly. So it's, it's actually interesting. And by the way, he ended up being a uh, fourth round pick, but that's Brandon Lloyd. Okay. Um, and at know, one point he led the NFL in receiving yards. Right. And yeah. and he, like I said, he came in, he, he measured it at 6'1", 184, as opposed to what is uh, Addison, Addison 5'11", 173, yeah, 173. So two inches shorter, 10 pounds lighter. I mean, it kind of evens out there, right? <laughs> but, but I mean, like you said, it's tough because like you get a guy like D.D. Westbrook, but did we ever get times for D.D.? I don't even remember. Um, I don't remember either, but he was, he was definitely a low four, four guy. Um, I think we did have times for him, but, um, that's an interesting one too. He went fourth round too. Yeah. Fourth or fifth. And, he, uh, you know, never and he really... was a Belitnikov winner too, right? Uh, did he? I'm not, I don't Or remember. he was a Heisman finalist at least. Um, Addison, of course, won the Belitnikov as a sophomore, as a yeah, true sophomore. Westbrook was fourth in the Heisman. Okay. Um, but he only played two seasons of college ball, too. Yeah, he was a JUCO guy. He transferred from uh, the JUCO ranks. And he also had some off-the-field question marks. So we can't necessarily compare the draft status there. I was going to say, the other thing is, too, you look at it after his first year, he went for 705 in year two and then 660 and three with uh, when Blake Bortles decided to fall off a cliff. Yeah, I was going to say, those are some... <clears throat> troubled Jaguars teams that he played for. Um, I found a couple of comps that I think are worth discussing. Uh, one was Harry Douglas. Remember Harry Douglas? Yeah, from the Falcons. Yeah, he played for the Falcons. He came out of Louisville. He got some similar measurables and testing numbers there. And um, he had a thousand yard season. He did. He had a thousand yard season in 2013 at the age of 29. It was his fifth year. And uh, again, he had been a third round pick, so it's a slow burn to get there. Um, but another guy who I like as a comp who fizzled out as an NFL player for completely unrelated to football reasons is Titus Young. He was a second round pick by the Detroit Lions. In fact, he went 44th overall. And as a rookie, he had 48 catches, 607 yards, and six touchdowns. He he fell out of the league because of mental health problems. Okay, so that was that's completely unpredictable. Um, I don't think there's any hint of of that around Jordan Addison. By all accounts, a very good kid uh, who has not had any health issues that we know of. Um, Titus Young, we knew had had some off the field issues. We didn't know the extent of it, but we knew that that was part of his background at Boise state, even at the time. So um, young was a very good player and had a, a very good rookie year for a second round pick. 
and unfortunately just couldn't just couldn't succeed under the, under the circumstances. So it's unfortunate, but I think you got a range there: Harry Douglas, Tyus Young, and the guys you mentioned. Like the, we still think Jordan Addison is going to be a good player. It's tough to find comps. It's easier to find comps that fail with these measurables, but right, um, <laughs> those are the easy ones. But we don't think he's going to fail, right? I mean, no. And and those those comps that would fail, they never had college season like Jordan Addison had, even at USC, let alone now, the Bolitnikov one. I was I was going to say Westbrook did have a similar season. Okay, yeah, and and won't, again won't. Westbrook, the. It the issue wasn't on the field; it was off the field. Right. Um, so that means that we both have Jackson Smith and Jigba as wide receiver one. I've got Keishawn Butte. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> we both have uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. I, I just think he's, you know, I don't think he's the best Ohio State receiver to come out over the last couple of years. Even though his ex teammates Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both said he was. But what I do think is, um, even with missing most of this year, he came back, he tested, he was healthy. He had phenomenal shuttle times. And so if you think he's just a slot receiver, he's the quickest slot receiver in this draft. But I think when he ran a sub 4-5 at his pro day, uh, that solidified the fact that he, I, I think he can play any of the three wide receiver positions. He's got some of the best size in this class at 6'1", 196, although his arms are a little short. But uh, with his full package, full, uh, you know, testing range and all that, I think he is the clear-cut receiver one at this point. And I think he might be the only receiver that goes in the first round this year. Yeah, it's going to be And it's going to be in the 20s, I think. It's going to be tough because there's just, I mean, this is just such a enigmatic receiver class. You know, uh, Smith and Jigba, like you said, he can play in the slot. I think he can win outside. I'm not worried about it. But if he can't, he's going to be. The question mark about him outside, right, is that he just, we didn't, we don't have tape on it, right? Right. So what we have is him playing slot as a sophomore and just completely dominating in that slot position with defensive backs playing off of him they're playing off coverage on him because they're afraid of his quickness and speed i think that's evident right otherwise you'd be trying to press him i think he's a little stronger than people think and that's why they're not necessarily trying to defend him that way Uh, but one thing we know for certain is he's very quick and the way he he uh gets in and out of his breaks that's tough to defend but we didn't get to see him in that Garrett Wilson or, or Olave role that we wanted to see him in. And so we we have to do a little bit of projecting, but by all accounts, he can do it. Right. And I mean, that's the thing, like you said, I mean, when, when you look at it, 1600 yards and nine touchdowns as a sophomore in, in 645 snaps, he only played. I will say, take away the Rose bowl that year because Utah was playing a running back at corner. Uh, that's okay. their fault. That's not, I get not, it, but it's not, not but, mine. But even without that game, he he was phenomenal that year. So, I mean, the question becomes with Smith and Jigba is you know where do you take him? Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about would the would the Texans double dip and take Stroud at two and come back and take Smith and Jigba at twelve? 
They'll take uh, Levis at two and Smith and Jigba at twelve. And and Jalen Hyatt at twelve, that makes sense. <laughs> um you know, and, and so that'll be one thing to watch. Uh I I mean this class it's funny, we we don't love this class overall and there's not a dominant like guy, but there are some interesting guys that I think we should we should Mention A.T. Perry's one of them that you and I have talked about quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, really good athlete, uh, one of the better size guys in this class, but he's old. You know, um, A.T. Perry, he's checking in at, uh, he'll be 24 in October. Yeah, he'll be 24 in October. He came, you know, he he did he didn't measure quite as tall as everybody expected right uh no he did he was six three and a half and but he was a little lighter than we thought he was under 200 he's got super long arms over 33 inches he had an 11 foot one inch broad jump ran a four four seven he tested way like way better than i thought he would and uh he's definitely one of those players he third or fourth round you're going to see A.T. Perry come off the board. but And we've talked about this, Seth, many times. We've got to recalibrate the age thing. Like, It's not my favorite thing to draft a guy that's going to be 24. But if you're projecting, not ranking, but if you're projecting, you've got to consider that the NFL is going to have to be drafting 24 and 25-year-olds for the next couple of years, for this year and the next couple because of the COVID rules. So. Um, we're just going to have to get used to that. It might not work out. It's kind of unprecedented to see this many old players in, in draft by draft, but that's what's happening now. And then I think we need to mention uh, a couple of the guys. Nathaniel Dell is a historically small uh, <laughs> prospect, but he's, you know, I think he's going to go on day two. I don't. Uh, I disagree you with you there. You don't think he will? No, I think Tank Dell, um, he weighed in at 165 pounds, at a five. J.J. Nelson-esque 165 at about 5'8", but he ran a 4'4'9". That is not special at that size. He's very tiny. I think Tank Dell is going to be a day three pick. Um, there were, you know, if he ran a 4'3", like was advertised... He'd be a day, day two pick, but he's not going to be. I, I mean, we can make a friendly wager on that, but I don't think he's going to do that. And then a couple more guys. Uh, Cedric Tillman coming off the the injury, um, you know, didn't produce as well as his teammate, but he's a, he's a guy that was coming into the year very highly thought of. Very productive in 2021, fell off in 2022. Um, he's player who just turned um actually happy birthday to him he turns 23 in a couple of days um so not overly old but um you didn't see a lot of production this year compared to 2021 four five guy four five four yeah six three two thirteen so what we're hearing is that player like tillman's gonna get pumped up and moved up because there's just not many big receivers in the draft i think that's a mistake to evaluate it that way. To me, he's a day three guy. Um, a comparison that I, I found that I liked was Gabriel Davis, who's a day three guy. And certainly we've seen Gabriel Davis have big games, notably that playoff game. 
But everybody thought that playoff game was going to be a springboard to a big season, and it wasn't. So be cautious with uh, Cedric Tillman. I think he's a player who's uh, – I think he's a third receiver. Uh, I think that's his ceiling as a pro. I think he's a third receiver on a team. I'm going to throw a name out here that I really like. And I know our buddy Matt Harmon, who works for Yahoo Fantasy, he tweeted about him earlier, and I saw that, and I, so I wanted to mention this. Jaden Reed from Michigan State. Okay, to me, Jaden Reed is a top ten receiver in this class, and I actually have him as my number two senior receiver behind Zay Flowers. So I got Flowers at five. I've got Jaden Reed. He's going to be my in my top 10. I've got him at wide receiver nine right now. Um, he, were, he is not a big guy, 5'11", 187, but he ran a 4'4", 5. And in the Big Ten in 2021, he scored 14 touchdowns. Is that uh, a lot? It's, it's a lot. It was the second most returning in, in that uh, conference this year, actually, behind Travion Henderson. Who, does Travion, who did Travion Henderson play for? Uh, I don't know. I think some team in Ohio. Um, but in 2021, Jaden Reed, with Peyton Thorne as his quarterback, scored 14 touchdowns, 11 receiving, one rushing, two punt returns. I, I, yeah, I believe two punt returns. So um, he can kind of do everything, and he's a really good route runner. Um I was kind of tweaking. I was kind of joking with some uh, some of our pals about Matt calling Jaden Reed a sneak uh, a sleeper because he played in the Big Ten, scored fourteen touchdowns in twenty twenty one, went to the Senior Bowl, went to the Combine. But I get it, Matt's audience. To Matt's audience, he is a sleeper, but to our audience, probably not. Uh, Jaden Reed, good speed, not great. But again, like I said, effective punt return man. He can go up and get the ball. Good body control. Uh, holds on to the ball through con- contact. Uh, good yard after the catch guy. And he tracks the ball well downfield over the shoulder. He's he's right there behind uh, Downs and Marvin Mims for me. So I really like Jaden Reed. I think he's probably going to be a day three pick. I would take him late day two. And so I think he's going to be a really a value guy. So in that respect, I think Matt Harmon and I are on the same page. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, we'll leave it at that because we've gone long. This is a packed, jam-packed show. So we appreciate you all listening. And hopefully you got some value out of this um, because I don't think these receiver rankings are, first of all, this is the most different we've been on a position group so far this year and uh second of all i think it's the most different we've been uh, from the consensus yeah it'll be fun to see how this all plays out uh the yeah. wide receivers in this class it's like you we know said, i never not... like to go against emory hunt but man i love marvin mims way more than he does so i'll be interested <laughs> to hear his feedback after he listens to this yeah and that'll be it from us tonight we'll be back uh later this week with a bonus episode so make sure you subscribe to the patreon and you'll get all of our extra content Have a good night, everybody. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like... uh...
you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's two dollars a month for our bonus episodes. Four dollars a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right a, there. A read. Yeah, that's it. Right there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> 